Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our Game Changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. I am Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then, buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and, of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. All right, everybody. Well, welcome once again to the bowels of the Mossy Oak Land bowels. Enhancement Building, and we uh, we also refer to it as a studio here. And sitting here with me, we've got Lanny Wallace, the man of mystery. Woohoo! Why am I the man of mystery? Well, well, like your Instagram page, your Facebook page. Does anybody really know? Is there a Lanny Wallace Facebook page? No, I do not participate in social media. That's that's mysterious. That is mysterious. Yeah, it is. That epitomizes mysterious. And then we've got Mr. Social Media over here, Dudley Phelps. <laughs> oh, gosh. The antithesis. <laughs> How's <He's>, everybody? <laughs> yeah, everybody's good, but, now, but before we leave that subject, Dudley does, he uh, engages on social media a lot. Spend a lot of time on Facebook and Instagram. I do. I think I sure do. Uh, yeah, and you have some really good posts. I follow you. It, I, if, I think everybody should follow Dudley. It's at Dudley.Phelps, right? Something like that. Something. Yeah. It's, we, it's, it's rarely hunting-related, though. I, I need to get better at that. Yeah. It's usually just family and fun stuff. Well, you all the time hiking. and Yeah. Well, Dudley, we refer to him as the tree nerd, lovingly. And so there's also a lot of tree stuff on your side, I mm-hmm. would expect. Souls. Yeah. Gamekeeping, family, fun, outdoors, and dirt. Today, we're going to talk about something that I love so much, and that's dove shoots. You do. You do love a fine uh, dove shoot. I, you know, I, it, it, for me, it kind of kicks off hunting season. Absolutely. So when oh, yeah. gets here, it's kind of the first event. And But when I think back, I can remember just being a little little boy and – Smelling the shotgun shells, sitting there sweating and watching birds and getting to pick up your dad's birds to begin with and then finally getting your own spot and mm-hmm. sit by yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just a lot of good memories there. I imagine everyone in the South, you know, that grew up in, uh, in the outdoors uh, has a huge appreciation for it. I don't know if they do it as much uh, up north as we do here, but it's definitely the kickoff of, of hunting season in the fall. It typically correlates with football around here, but yeah, it does. probably not this year, doesn't it? Well, I mean, who you know? There's so many times that you could uh, you would go to a dove shoot and somebody would turn the radio up on the pickup truck and open the doors and you could listen to the the football game while you were shooting birds. Yeah, it's as much a social event down here as it is anything. You know, it really is. Now, I am. I mean, I will go and hunt doves by myself, and because I you know love to eat doves. Uh, I think it's one of the most. Oh yeah, they're my favorite. I think they're my favorite thing. Flying around for sure. So there's a couple of elements to d- shooting doves that's you know, and I refer to them as shooting doves because I don't hit as many as I'd like to. <laughs> but but once you add a dog to it, and yep. and you know what we've got going on with Mister Bill Gibson and the, the kennels is pre- it's pretty special. But you add a dog to it, and that it, it just makes something that's already so much fun even more fun. Mm-hmm. It gives you the extra excuse you need to keep on going. Yeah. I just want to pick the game and pick up a couple. <laughs> it's not about me. It's about the dog. What's, yeah. what's really fun is when you're somebody like me that doesn't have a dog and you shoot a dove and you're walking out there to pick it up and copper or coach or somebody's out there picking up your dove and taking it to somebody else. Another advantage yeah. of hunting with a dog. <laughs> you seem to get your limit quicker than most. You know? Yeah, you do. So that, but it is. and uh, There's a huge, I mean, obviously wing shooting and, and dogs and birds it's uh 
it's uh, they 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 go together really well. Mm-hmm. I you know I remember Copper's first dove shoot. I I took a bunch of pictures. Yeah, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Yeah, you know? yeah. Get well, you've it. made Copper insta famous. You know, speaking of social media moguls, uh, the Bobby Cole over here. Well, it is a fun way to communicate with people. Yeah, it is. And uh, but but the. The, the dove shoot and the tradition of a dove shoot and meeting and having barbecue and being oh, around fun, that's just, that's a really, I think that is a Southern tradition. Yeah. I don't think that occurs up in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talk, we just had the guy from MW, uh, MDWF and P uh, here uh, this week, but I signed up, uh, uh, there's a youth dove hunt you can sign up for. And I'm going to tell you, they do a first-class operation to put mm-hmm. them on, just like you said. I expected to, you know, be let out on a field, but you got there, and they had barbecue and chips and took the kids and through gun safety and then, you know, took them to the blinds in the designated area. So it was a great experience. But You know, that's a good point, and I'm glad you brought that up because so many people claim they don't have access. Mm-hmm. But it's rare that you can't pick up a newspaper in Jackson, Mississippi, or, or whatever community you're in, town you're in, and there not be a little ad for a pay-dove shoot. Mm-hmm. $40, you know, come this afternoon, or, or the trade winds, little Mac. You can fi- if you want to shoot doves, you can find a dove shoot. Well, yeah. you know, now a lot of states are doing that, that private landowner program where you can provide your land as almost like it's public land. Mm. And that would be something that more states should do to make dove hunting more available. Yeah. I got a little bit of taste of that in New Mexico. It's pretty interesting how they're weaving private land ownership into public land management and resource management really is. There's nothing worse than not getting invited on a dove shoot. Yeah, and, and you get your lip that, poked out. Yeah, it, it really is. And then to find out the next day they didn't hunt. And you're like, oh, man, I was acting like a little punk for no reason. Well, I like to shoot them all the way through the season. Yes, I love winter dove hunting as much. Yeah. Probably more because it's not as hot. Yeah. And they're bigger. And they're bigger. But most Take a whole people piece just, of bacon to wrap around them. Mm, most sorry. people just get after them that first weekend and maybe the second weekend, and then that's it. So... When I, was, when I lived in the Delta uh, for seven or eight years, it was a Sunday afternoon thing. So mm-hmm. each farmer would have a dove field, usually sunflowers, and they would rotate. That way it wouldn't get overhunted. So you would go to Joe Smith's place one Sunday, and everybody would show up. And, and then you'd go to Bill Parker's place the next Sunday, you know, that kind of thing. It's a community thing for sure because even here, you know, we're all – you know, I know talking to my buddies around here, we all try to get together and pitch in on wheat and just have a few places plowed up. Yeah, a little dove club. A little dove club. Mm-hmm. Bobby's been working on a dove club here lately. I wish I could put one together. I sure do. Well, sign me up. You know I'm in. Do y'all remember when we were younger and, like, I'm talking high school age when you just don't know any better and you'd be on a dove shoot and somebody, and somebody said, wouldn't well, that game wardens are coming today, boys, y'all? You know, how that would just kind of make you be nervous the whole I'm time? Always Even though- ner- I'm nervous shooting migratory birds every time I shoot them because, mm-hmm. you know, not that we're not compliant, but you just want to be sure uh, that you, you know, Stay within the rules yeah. and help manage resources. I mean, I have no intention of shooting over the limit, but it puts still, you on your still, still makes you nervous. Your awareness level yeah. goes up. I think that's good. And you know, in the the way the laws are written, too, it is open to interpretation. You know how things uh, how they are, but you know the the funny going to dove hunts for just reminiscing. It was, uh, I used to go to these big ones, and I guess it was in maybe Pontotoc County, and it was an all day event. So you got there in the morning. Of course, you'd like to talk, you met up at the cafe, and everybody had sausage biscuits and coffee, and you rode out to the field and got some shooting in. You know, over, or, you know, everybody had got an argument over getting, you know, sprayed <laughs> or, you know, low bird this, low yeah. bird that. And then, the football game would come on, and everybody they would break, and there they would fry dove breast whole, you know, on the bone, and you'd eat. You know, everything was fried, of course. 
And then the excitement began. <clears throat> they would bring a horse out and break it in that pasture where the dove hunt was. And after lunch, somebody would, I mean, four or five guys would get thrown and kicked and mauled out there in the field where they're trying to break a horse. I have never heard yeah. anything like no, that. No, this is it. And then everybody got dusted off and went back out there and went for the afternoon dove hunt. <laughs> mm. I, I have never been to anything like that. I just remember guys like with horse prints on the on their sides yeah. and stuff. Well, we've yeah. got a we've got a guest in a little while, Vandy Collins, and he probably knows more about uh, he probably knows more about dove shoots than anybody I've ever mm-hmm. been around. But prior to that, when I was in Montgomery, I met, there was a there was a guy there named Bobby Thomasy, and I and he he was an unbelievable wing shot. But I remember getting invited and going on a dove shoot at a place he had one time. I'll never forget this. We, he gathered us all around the truck to before we got to you know get put out and you drew for a stand or whatever. But he said, fellas, the field is as uh, – he said, I'm 99% sure it's legal. Mm-hmm. He, said, <laughs> you know, he said, but uh, if the game warden show up, don't run," he said. "The fellas last week ran, and that that just makes it rougher on the rest of us. <laughs> and that is always tough. Well, they, if, they, if they pull in the field or, or pull up fishing, and whoever runs is the one is illegal. I mean, you know, right off the bat, it shows them who to chase down. Yeah, yeah don't just, run. Don't that, run. That, that's always stuck with. Well, me. I mean, you know, we're talking about this whole game warden thing, but there really is a lot of gray area, mm-hmm. and. I it, think the laws are written that way. Yeah, it, it's it can be confusing, mm-hmm. you know. And, and the warden, you know, is responsible for living in that gray area and then interpreting what the information is. They know who's out there, you know, trying to abuse a resource and break the law. That's why that warden positions. To me, that's why they're called wardens. I don't know. It's like a manager. You know what I mean? But mm. it is confusing because it is. Every time we've even planted, once you get done, and if you've got does, you're like. I think it's legal. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's it's tough. Now, when you're doing something wrong, it, it's obvious. Yeah. And you kind of have that nagging feeling in the back of your mind. I might be crossing the line mm-hmm. here if I'm doing, mm-hmm. doing this. But so look, uh, why don't we why don't we take a break and uh, we'll we'll let Jason Cleveland do some producing over here, and we'll get Vandy Collins on the Vandy phone. Vandy Collins, come back, so. the doves are, and then what you used to call him? The doves are. That's the what he wants are. to be called. The doves are. That's him. I've had. I've been with you a couple times. He is an interesting character. I can't wait to get him on the phone and see what the dove forecast is looking like. The Gamekeeper Magazine is our life outdoors. On paper. We love Gamekeepers Magazine. It's full of great information. Full of ideas on how to make the habitat better. From plots to trees to whitetails and waterfowl. It's total farm management. There's so much information in Gamekeepers, especially when it comes to managing your property. You can't go wrong if you want to improve your habitat for wildlife. Pick up our Gamekeepers Magazine. Gamekeepers, the journal of wildlife stewardship. Hey, Vandy, are you there? I'm here, Bobby. Oh, that's awesome. Vandy's down in Fawnsdale, Alabama. It's a, it's a, that's Dove Central. A fine Alabama place game. down there. It yeah. Really is. So, Vandy, we got Lanny Wallace here and Dudley hey, Phelps, and we're just, uh, we're talking about shooting doves. We can't wait. It's that time of the year to talk about shooting doves. I think uh, counting down 29 days, I mean, you know, hey, i <laughs> So, how your sunflowers looking? They look good. Uh, I got some that are late that are hanging in there because we've had all this rain and everything. Of course, I got some that are dried back that doves are on right now. So, you know, with 10 fields, you got them all different stages. But we had the best growing season this year we've ever had as long as I've been dealing with this stuff and probably got the most feed in every field that we've ever had. Oh, is that right? Man, that sounds like we need to go see him. <laughs> Dudley, I don't think you've ever been to one of his fields. I never have. But they are a sight to see. That's what I hear. Attention to detail. He he, he covers every aspect of it, that's for sure. I've sure enjoyed my time down there. And if you make a mistake on one of his fields. You will know. You'll know about it. <laughs> you will know. <laughs> hey, somebody got to be the boss, man. <laughs> oh, don't be rough on me. 
<laughs> no, we're going to try not to. But, but Vandy has put on dove shoots for a long – I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's not anybody knows more about putting on a dove shoot than you, Vandy. And we wanted to pick your brain today and see if you might could just – from all your years of experience, just kind of share some of the mistakes you see a, a guy or a lady make that uh, that they could avoid and it would help them have a better hunt. Well, Bobby, I think the main thing that you see is people aren't, you know, adequately adequately prepared for for shooting doves. And when I say that, uh, probably the the biggest piece of equipment in a dove field that y'all don't have and don't don't sell is a uh, grocery store plastic garbage bag. You, uh, it seems like you have to have a plastic uh, grocery bag before you can shoot those nowadays. Every, everybody, I know, I know you're sitting there scratching your head wondering about that. That is a, a, a facetiously ugly statement, but uh, it's amazing to me the amount of people that do not have a $20 shelf belt uh, you know, they, they, they have nowhere to put their shells. They, they, you know, they're probably not going to do a lot of hunting. So they go and bought them two or three boxes. They got them in, in one of those plastic bags. They come out there and, and of course, you know, I use hay bales for spots out there to keep everybody in place. And, and you'll, you'll look across that field and you'll see that white plastic bag up on top of that hay bale. And, you know, they may have the best ball camouflage in the world on, and they don't think anything to put that white bag up on that hay bale. <laughs> <laughs> How does they, that they, might be, they might be trying to snow goose hunt, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that aggravates you, doesn't it, Mandy? Yeah, you know, I've I become a, a – as well, you, you, you very well know, I've become a perfectionist at it. Uh, you know, it's, it's two reasons, two, three reasons for that. One is I want everybody to have the limit. I, and, and I wanted to be, you know, efficient at it. I wanted to get the limit and get them picked up and get out of the field. And, of course, that helps my field last longer because we just don't do an opening day hunt. You know, we we run it all the way through the, through uh, January. And, and like I said, we got eight or ten fields to choose from, so we do a lot of scouting and we try to put people, you know, the, 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 the old deal when you hear people say, man, you should have been here yesterday or I just – that's wrong. If you if you looked at those doves the day before you hunt them or the day before that, they're not going anywhere. They're gonna be there. So you know, I, I've often often said that. But but the biggest mistake people make, I think, is, is they're not efficient out there. If, if you got a shell belt, you can put on. You can put a box in each side. You got somewhere when you pick your dove up in the field, you can put him in your pouch behind you. You got both hands back on your gun. You're ready to go. Uh, you know, and I see people reaching down to the ground, getting shells out of a box. Well, you know, you've lost sight of, of a dove may be coming. And, and I reckon the last thing is they'll shoot it one too far. I mean, how many times do people stand there in the dove field and shoot it one too far, break their gun down, or start to load their gun and one comes slipping right by? <laughs> Every I mean, time. <laughs> And they're messing I it up for the guy that's right down from them, too. You and know? then they shoot at it yeah, when it goes to by. Me, you know, to, to me, I, I've said it. And I understand these people, sometimes they say, well, you know, I paid my nickel, I'm out here, I'm going to do what I want. Hey, that's fine. I'm not going <laughs> to sit here and argue with you, but you're not going to be on my list to come back, you know. You shoot at that dove at 50 yards, and I, over the years, as Bobby well knows, I've seen hundreds of thousands of them die, and, and I always have my dog with me. And I'll see a dove flinch or, or make a funny move, and, and I'll keep my eye on him. And he'll mm-hmm. uh, so, so many times he'll fly out across that field. Sometimes they'll die in midair, but but they'll land in a tree or they'll land somewhere. I'll see them go to ground, and I give them a minute. I walk over there, and I can generally find them. You know, they they died, but it basically would have been a wasted dove. And 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 I tell people, you know, when well, you're in the deer hunting business, do you? You know, shoot one in the ham or shoot one back and just say, I'll let him go. I'll get the next one, you know. Well, that dove means as much to me as that deer does to some people. So I think not being efficient as in the shell pouch and, and you know, a, a really nice tall stool that you don't sit completely down. You're just kind of resting on it. And and the fact that knowing what range is, you know, knowing how far to shoot one, I think that's the most important thing. Good point. I agree a hundred percent with you on the watching those doves. You know, we do it with ducks too. People shoot, 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 and then the duck birds fly off. If you keep an eye on those dudes, a lot of them are falling out there. And if you got a dog to help you go pick it up, 
I know I finished many a lemon out that way because, you know, I'm hungry all the time. <laughs> so I see them falling out there. It's time to go. Yeah, one of my big mistakes when I was younger was I'd shoot a dove and I'd carry my shotgun with me to go pick it up. Mm-hmm. And then another dove would fly over and I'd shoot it <sighs> and I'd forget where it. the other one was. <laughs> so my personal rule is if I shoot a dove, I put my gun in a safe location mm-hmm. and walk out, never take my eyes off of it grab the dove, come back, sit down, then get ready for the next one. And that's... You drive me crazy. You drive me crazy. That's, <laughs> that's kind of inefficient. I have a heart attack watching That's kind of inefficient, <laughs> but... We need to hey, get you a dog. I, I, I do a little show. I do a little show hey, with five with you. I tell the story every day on Facebook. And I was telling one about a guy years ago that we went to the dove field with a big backpack on. And I couldn't imagine what the backpack was. He had a, he had a stool and a backpack. But he got out there and he took his stool, set his stool down, and and took a dog pan, a water pan out, and put water in. He unzipped his backpack and a barking spaniel jumped out. I said, "Now you know this is a damn good thing." I thought that was the dangest thing I'd ever seen in my life until I saw him kill a dove. When he killed the dove, he put his gun down, just like you said, made it safe. He walked out there with the dog. He picked the bird up. He and the dog picked the bird up. They came back to the stool. They reached in the stool, they got a Ziploc bag out, they put three cubes of ice in the bag with the dove and put the dove in the stool. I was a nervous wreck. You that sure was that wasn't Bobby and Copper out there? <laughs> I mean, uh, Copper's, yeah, I, Copper's a lab, I, I, but it sounds like the same thing. <laughs> the only thing, the only thing, the only problem I've ever seen Bobby having a dove field over here is one time uh, we put a guy, he knows, I, I'll just say his first name, Marty. Out there, cut him off, and he had a rough afternoon till till we finally got Marty out of his way. So, so mm-hmm. Bobby and Cobble, they hold their own out there, and I enjoy having them. But but you know, like I said, for first timers or not just at the first timers, but you got so many people that's going to shoot doves that first weekend, and then I'm going to see him next weekend, and I'm gonna, uh, the next year, and I'm going to ask him how was his season. He said, "Well, I shot with you last year, and you know this is my next time." So you know, a shell belt, cool. twenty bucks. Good camouflage, you know, and just shoot at a dove in range. I mean, that's that's what I would tell somebody short and sweet. Yep. What I like about Bandy Shoots is he's out there watching, and if somebody gets in a hot spot and they start ramping up and killing a bunch of birds, he'll go move them. Mm-hmm. And he'll let them get their limit, but then he's got his eye on somebody that's not getting any shooting, and he'll load that person up and run them out there real quick. Getting them rotated. Because there are going to be hot spots in fields. Oh, just always, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I just try to get there I'll, first. I'll, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pull a Riley. When I, move, <laughs> when, I move, when I move somebody, I always tell them that you should have been in that bad spot. You know, yeah. I, every time somebody will have 10 or 12 or 13, and I know they're going to get the limit. I'll I'll run, you know, move them, and, and they'll kind of have their lip poke out. I said, hey, next time you may be the one sitting out there with two wanting to move over there in that good spot. That's you know? right. So we don't, we don't have much trouble with that. Everybody understands it. Because hunting with me any length of time that I'm out there for the best betterment of everybody. And, you know, it, it, I'm an ego freak about it. Bobby knows that I'm just a, a ego freak about everybody getting a limit. I mean, it, it means so much to me, you know, like right now, I'm, I'm scheduling my hunts in my head right now for the first two weeks of the season. So, you know, I think it makes a difference. I'm, I'm, I'm not the person that's going out there for the party and the barbecue and to have a good time and the camaraderie. You know, I'm out there for a good ethical hunt, everybody being safe, getting your limit, then let's come back and sit under a tree and talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the first the, – I think the first time I went and shot birds with Vandy, he gave this long speech, and I was convinced he would turn his wife in if she shot over the limit. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was that convinced. Well, so he puts me out in a spot, and, and it got hot. I, I was killing some birds, and I, I when I got to 15, I told you know I, I broke my gun down, leaned it against the, the stool. I had counted my birds, and uh, and so I see Vandy coming across the field in the cart to come get me, and move somebody else in, and so I I start counting my birds again and putting them in a pile, and all and all of a sudden Copper walks up with another bird, <laughs> so I've got no. six, I've got sixteen. <laughs> So when Vandy rolls up there next to me, I, I just I just I said, Well, I gotta be honest. I said, Vandy, I have got sixteen birds. 
And he just looked at me and said, that's okay. One of them you shot was a ring neck. I remember that. So you, <laughs> Wow. He, yeah, he was watching that close. So I ended up, you know, 15 morning doves. So I was, so I was okay. But anyway, that's how close he watches you. That's pretty intense. You know, it's very few people in the world that have gotten my age that I'm not going to say my lifelong ambition, but what I found out years ago I was good at was this dove hunting. And, you know, if you if you can't be fired up about the one thing that you're the, the best at, uh, you know, what can you be fired up about? So, Amen. You know, and I think repeat customers, and I don't know if you all are aware of this, but I understand Canada has closed down this year to Americans coming duck hunting. So um, my phone, my phone has lit up. You know, wing shooters that are looking for somewhere to go, and and uh, you know it's easy to overbook, but I make a point not to do that. As the season gets gets going, if I see I've got a lot of fields and, and enough birds, I might add a you know a couple of hunts. But I'm pretty much right now got what I want to have. Um, I always leave room for you know people like Bobby. And, and, you know, game people bunch or carry them in with Mojo and, and, you know, stuff like that. I'd love to have them. I can always add two or three in there. And uh, Bobby and his daughter are so much fun to have and, you know, stuff like that. I always have room to put a few in. But as far as just actual, you know, pre-hunt trips and stuff like that, you know, we were full months ago. But And the dogs look good. I mean, you know, I'm going out on a limb. I'm, I'm probably dick to myself, but. The only thing we have to worry about now is a hurricane. Mm, that's right. Uh, well, I was going to ask what, the, a, what you thought the I'm assessment a, of the season was going to be like. I'm not a big believer in birds leaving with the weather. Um, the state of Alabama made me go out on him at a meeting one time and say something about migratory doves. But the truth be known is I think 80, 80% of the doves you shoot grow up within two miles away where you kill them hmm. in, in this country right here for us. The only thing that's changed for us, changed about three or four years ago, is white wing doves. Now, not ring that, white wing. We have gotten a lot of uh, white wing doves. They came about 60 days ago. I don't say 200 of them showed up. And we've raised a good many. And, and the difference in the white wing is, you know, he'll sit on the head of a mallow plant or a seed. He loves to sit on a sunflower. They don't really like to sit on the ground and feed. But uh, they, they got a flight kind of like a white wing. They lope a little bit. and uh, But, you know, they count on your limit like a morning does. And, but they showed up. So they're actually, you know, we know they're migratory does. But they come in June. And the first couple of weeks of the season, after you get after them pretty good, they disappear. I don't know where they go, but they do leave. But basically, I think, you know, just be efficient out there. Be a tennis. You know, I tell people, give me an hour of your time, and I will give you a good dove shoot. You know, telephones drive me crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, drive me crazy. People out there talking on telephones, you know. I've told them, I said, you know, one time, I'm going to warn you. Two times, I'm not probably not even bringing anything cold to drink. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Um. And I'm going to tell you a common mistake real fast. I I know y'all are busy, but real fast. And I talk about this all the time. This is one of my funny ha-ha's. Is I, I pull other people and I say, let me tell y'all something. That dog did not go to school to learn the difference in a six-foot man and a four-foot man. That's squatting down when a dog comes. It means nothing. I mean, you're standing. Now, if you're in cover, I can maybe understand. But you're out there in a field open like most of my stuff is, and, and, and a, somebody marks a dog for you, you know, fanning behind you, and, and you squat down. I tell people a dog sees movement. He does not see. I mean, you know, he sees you, but that's not a problem. Just stand still, you know. And and that's one of my big gigs that I get people about a dog knowing the difference in a four foot man and a six foot man, you know. But uh, anyway, there's. <laughs> I love Spider. I'm guilty. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Vandy, well, we talked. About- Go ahead. You know, we thought that as we grow up hunting, that's the way we were taught by, you know, mm-hmm. but everything changes. We know in the hunting industry, everything changes. Yeah, that this makes perfect true. sense. Yeah. Well, Vandy, we appreciate you being on here. Look forward to coming Bobby, to seeing you soon. I always, I, I always love to talk to y'all. I, I love gamekeepers. You know, I love everything about it. Um, Malty Oak, 
you know, Tim got on me. I, I, I obviously I haven't seen you, but I watch, I do a little Facebook deal at five fifteen every day, and a couple of times Tim caught me uh, without the right proper shirt on. So I got me some really nice Mossy Oak t shirts, logos, and all that. And I'm required now at five fifteen. I do uh, FaceTime. I do my show and uh, live. So yeah, I just tell a hundred story on either Waddell or Eddie or myself or everybody I've ever hunted with. Uh, you haven't given anything to pick on you about. Yeah, that's so good. I'm it's coming. That, but <laughs> I'm looking forward to, to having you over and your daughter or whoever you want to bring. Y'all come. We I'll be in touch and. Yeah, man. I enjoy talking to you. All right. That's great. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Mr. Vandy. Thanks, Vandy. Look forward to seeing you, buddy. Thank y'all. Yes, sir. Y'all have a good time. What not to do on the dove field yeah. with the yeah. doves are. <laughs> That's so, so cool. funny because I'm so bad about that. You you squat down and you're moving. Yeah, and look, as well I'm the same way with you on the dove thing. When I was so young, I agree 100%. When I would shoot a bird and I'd take my gun out there, Hey, I'm easily distracted anyways. I would be distracted on another bird and cheated in. Even if I didn't hit it, I would forget where the other one was. Yeah, so. sometimes lose both of them. Yeah, you know? and, you know, so the dog, that's why the dog's so important, yep. you know, mm-hmm. uh, for me. But And now especially when you're taking your son and he's shooting and you're shooting and the dog's going on. So Now that would be chaos. Yeah, it's chaos. Yeah. It's chaos but. So, Lanny, you rounded up a guest for us that uh, – we're going to do in a few minutes. So we, I guess we may, might all take just a little commercial break. This show, you know, each show we're, 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 we're tying our, these shows into our, the Gamekeepers Television Show. So this show is sponsored by Browning Firearms. Oh, nice. Which uh, I, I absolutely, I've got an over and under that I love so much. Hey, look, you know how, what a good buddy Travis is to this brand and his business too. So Yes. Uh, we love some Browning Firearms. Hey folks, it's Jeff Foxworthy. You know, when I was a kid, my dad bought back the farm that he had grown up on, and I absolutely loved that place. I knew every square inch of it. It truly was my favorite place on earth. And when you're looking to find a favorite place for you and your family, Mossy Oak Properties can help. Visit mossyoakproperties.com to begin your search today. All right, everybody. Welcome back. We uh, once again want to remind you that Browning is sponsoring this uh, this podcast. That our friends at Browning, we I, we love their guns. They're We're going to talk about shooting. Matter of fact, yeah, yeah. So, Lanny, uh, you're responsible for this guest, whether this is good or bad. You're responsible for it. So <laughs> why don't you introduce it? Uh, well, we're going to hear from Clay Davis, one of my long friend, long-term friends, and he just competed in the National Halice Championship, and he's a hell of a wing shooter. So uh, he's going to talk to us a little bit about shooting and leads and give us a little uh, tips and tactics to try to go ahead and get that limit real quick. Yeah, we all want to learn how to shoot better. That's right. And, you know, hey, browning, shooting. So, Clay, what kind of gun do you shoot? I shoot a Browning Satori 725 Sporting Pro, well, and I love it. That? There it is. Yeah. Uh, That's good. <laughs> it is good. That's good. It is Unprompted. Good. Yeah, it is. So we're proud to have Clay today, and he's going to give us some tips and tactics. Uh, so, Yeah, let, it, hey, Dudley, would you be sure you pay attention? I will. Yeah. I need to. Well, Clay, why don't you uh, – you obviously travel around shooting a bunch, and uh, so what, what – what advice can you give a guy on a dove field to help improve his shooting? Well, a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll shoot at a bird, and if they miss, they keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, best thing to do is if you're shooting a bird, nine times out of ten, you're shooting behind it. So just double your lead. If you double your lead and you still shoot behind it, double your lead again. Usually when you catch them, you're catching them at the end of the edge of your pattern. So you got to think, you know, if you got a two-foot diameter right there and you're missing it, when you're doubling it, you're going to either put them in the center or towards the back half of it. So that's the best thing to do. That whole lead thing is when you're young, that's an it's interesting a tough thing deal. to figure out. I, I My, can, well, I, I was just going to say, I, I clearly remember the day I figured out the lead. I was on a dove shooting. I was a, just, you know, really young guy. And here comes two birds. And one's about five feet behind the other one. <laughs> I know what's going to happen here. <laughs> and uh, here they come. And I shoot at the front one, and the back one drops. And, hmm. and the light bulb went off. The next, you know? Yeah, my dad used to explain it to me. It was like 
uh, a water hose. Yeah. High pressure hose squirting water out and you're trying to hit something that's moving. You have to aim in front of it. Right. And that was a tip I was going to keep the gun moving. Keep visual, the gun moving, visual keep the gun way moving. to think about it. Yeah, that was the other thing too is like on when you're shooting a bird, if he's coming from left to right or right to left, you want to start behind the bird, catch up with the bird, swing past the bird, pull the trigger, and keep swinging at the same time. You never want to just point and shoot. You won't never – I mean, it's never – you're not consistent that way. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, you know, if a bird is flying straight at you, most people put it right on the bird. Well, if you do that, it's coming at you shooting them below it every time. You need to be above it. If it's going away from you, you need to be below it. That's just the way it works. Have you all noticed that, like, if you're on a shoot and people are – you know, you're looking one direction and somebody hollers at you and you turn around and there it is. <laughs> and you, those are, seem like, maybe it's because you're just doing it out of instinct. It but is Those instinct, birds are yeah. easier to kill than one. If I watch one come from a long ways away, I'm just about going to miss it every time. Oh, yeah. That reflex shot is always better for me, it well, seems like. Yeah, that tells you two things. Like with Halee stuff we're shooting or something like you're talking about, it's, it's spontaneous. So a person that can point at that and shoot it and hit it nine times out of ten, he's, a, he's just an instinctive shooter. That's just what he is. Where some people can teach themselves to shoot, but they have to shoot something repetitive. They have to learn that lead, have to learn that time. So something that pops up on them like that nine times out of ten, they're going to miss it. But uh, like I said, if something just pops up right in your face and you hit it, you're just an instinctive shooter. What you're talking about, if you see a bird coming from a long way away, like you might be an instinctive shooter, but if you see a bird coming from a long way away, you're sitting there, you're thinking about it, you're Mm -hmm. anticipating something, Mm -hmm. and you're trying to make all these overcorrections that you don't need. Just wait till he gets close and shoot at him. Yeah, and what I've learned about that um, is what guy I shoot with, the way he overcomes that is if a bird's coming, he never shoulders his gun and waits on it. He'll go down there and hold it by his hip, and when he yeah. thinks it gets in range, he'll he'll mount it and shoot real quick, yeah. and that's the way he does good. That's why I learned to shoot trap. Um, there was one other tip you told me a couple of years ago about keeping your ammo consistent. Yes. I mean, you know, if, if you're shooting a, a shell, like for me on Halise, I'm shooting a one-ounce 13-15. I'm timed with that shell. I've shot that shell so much, I know what my lead is. I know what everything is. My bad when I'm shooting sporting clays. You know, if I'm shooting that and then I go down to a, you know, an ounce and an eight shell, but it's shooting 1,100 feet per second, I'm off. I mean, right. my lead's off. It's just a difference. It's just all it is to it. You need to be consistent. Just buy one shell and stick with it. Right. I got a quick question, too. I'm back on instinctive shooting. You don't think that, you know, somebody can train themselves to become a, a better instinctive shooter? You think, I mean, it's just you're a good instinctive shooter or not. I mean, you don't think with practice in the field and muscle memory and everything else, you can become a better instinctive shooter? I do. I do. I think you can train yourself just like you do anything, you know. So if you're getting right there, just like sporting clays, for example, or you just got a skeet throw right there. Mm-hmm. If you got that gun by your hip and you're yelling, pull, and you're throwing it up, shooting it every time, then, yeah, you're, t- you're training yourself as in muscle memory that way. If you got that gun mounted to your shoulder and you're yelling pull, then no, you're just right. you're not going to make your instincts any better. So it could be that is that simple as just starting from the hip, which is the way I was taught. Ironically, I don't think it was because they were trying to de- develop necessarily instinctive shooting, but you know, from the hip to the shoulder when you're ready to shoot, not mount your gun and wait on the bird. Right. Yeah, and here's another cool little trick most people do. Like so, when shooting sporting clays or if you're out there with a skeet thrower, um, it works for most people, not everybody. Is say say you're if you're right eye dominant, take your left hand and point at that point at that skeet going across there, mm-hmm. and then close your close your left eye and look at it with your right eye. However far your finger is in front of that skeet, that's pretty much going to be your lead. That's a, that's a good starting point. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I never thought about that. Well, my eyes are all messed up. I can't see them anyway. I'm, I'm <laughs> left eye do, dominant and shoot right hand. Same here. Yeah, that's why Hayden is. Sure is. So I got a quick question. So if you're on a dove shoot and here come two birds, two of them, they're right behind each other, which one do you shoot first, the lead bird or the back bird? Well, everybody always, most people say shoot the back bird first. That way you won't mess the first one up. Well, it depends if it's windy, not windy, whatever. I'm always going to shoot the first bird first. And the reason I say that is because, like you, if I shoot the first bird first and that second one drops, I know I need to double my lead on the second one. Mm-hmm. Hey, and you might get a chance and kill both of them in one shot. <laughs> yeah, no, seen it happen. I'm going to shoot at the close one every time. <laughs> I promise you. Uh, or even, you know, my favorite dove strategy for dove shooting and, and getting real effective shots is to sit under the dead tree. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> but Bobby always seems to beat me there. I don't know what it is. That and the power line. And the power line and the power line. 
Love so it. tell us a little bit about Halise. I know, I mean, people are familiar with Skeet, and I think real familiar with Skeet, somewhat familiar with Trap, but like this whole Halise thing is, uh, you know, something different than most people have been exposed to. Right, and we got one here, and it's actually a very, very nice place. Uh, the reason I like it so much is because it's going to be the closest thing to a quail hunting or pheasant hunting or something uh-huh. like that without actually shooting a bird. Um, you're going to get up there, and you got five machines or 27 meters, and when they throw out, they're spinning. You have to knock the centers loose, and the center has to land inside the ring to count, mm-hmm. uh, just like you know when they do the pigeon shoots. If you shoot a pigeon and it lands outside the fence, it does not count. Um, but when, like I said, when that thing comes up, you don't know where it's going, what it's doing, the wind's going to affect it. It's you can't you can't prepare for it. So it would be more uh, probably instinctive. That's yeah, all it is. Prone if, to instinctive shooters. You you can't like you know when sporting clays, you sit there and watch that thrower throw. You know where your shot. You're calculating. Right. <clears throat> you, you know where you need to hold, um, and you can wait on it. This you cannot. When mm-hmm. it comes out of the machine, you got to make a decision. You got to make a decision quick. And you're incented for shooting quicker instead of later. Right. Yeah, like I said, you know, because uh, this is one we shot in last weekend or two weekends ago. It's, um, if that thing comes up and it's a wind and you should wait too late to shoot it, then that wind nine times ten is going to carry it over the fence. Mm-hmm. Don't count. Even though you separate it, it don't count. So you got to be quick. What, uh, and you're shooting a 725? Are you shooting a 20 gauge? Uh, no, I shoot, a, I, I bought both of them actually. Um, I shoot the 28 gauge. So I run the 28 gauge race with a 725 sporting. And I shoot a 12 gauge 725 Sporting Pro from Browning, like I said. And I, I've just I found a certain shell and choked with it, and that's probably the best pattern gun I got. I got a Craig off too, but I mean it just can't beat that Browning. Mm. Mm. Well, I'm getting ready to go shoot. I know you're ready to go. I'm ready to eat some. So Clay, what does a successful wing shooter like you eat to become a successful a wing successful shooter? wing shooter? What do I eat? Yeah. Doves. <laughs> How do those halise taste? They're kind of chewy. <laughs> yeah. They need a little salt. Well, what about if you got one tip you could give everybody to help them have a better success rate? And, and let me say this. I think I've read that, that the national rate is one bird for every seven shots. Wow. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Now, Dudley, I heard with you it's one for 14. <laughs> Probably so. Um, it's patience. I mean, that's, that's anything. You know, get out there like he was talking about earlier. You're shooting a bird too far away. I mean, what's the rush? Wait on it. It's going to get closer, and you can have a good kill, or you're going to wound it and lose it. Just be patient. You'll get some good birds. All right. Good advice. Yeah, so uh, the, the, the what are the – when you've dove hunted, we were, get, we're planning on talking about habitat a little bit later in the show. The What are the best fields that you've hunted, or how are they prepared? Um – the best one I've ever been on was a brown top millet field, and it was on a hill, and it had a gravel drive going to it with a power line parallel to it. And that was probably the best hunt I've ever been on. Everything was clean, but the doves pretty much they flew that power line for some reason. Don't know why, but if they, I, mean, I guess that's what we're going to light. But it was just very consistent. And I don't know what it was about that hill, but I mean, it was just it was nonstop. Hmm. Historically, is that a good spot? Yes, yeah. I, I'm I'm a big believer in that. I think they have. You know, historically, flight patterns. I mean, we oh, know the yeah. place that, you know, we, we shoot doves every year, the little lease we have south of here, and it's there's going to be doves It's there. just a good natural spot. A natural it, there's spot. cows on it, though, so mm-hmm. I, I think that helps. There's a lot of bare ground. Yeah, well, you yeah, got to think, though. Stuff. Down there, though, that's you, you got a gravel drive going into it with yeah, a power, power line right there. Lake. you got a lake. you got a hill, and you got all that fresh ground from when the cows are on that hill. Right. Yeah. I mean, nine times out of ten, when you go out there, where are they? On top of that hill. Oh, yeah. Speaking of that, we're going to do some work. Yeah. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and and uh, I think those cows play a bigger part in that whole equation than we give them Probably credit. so. They do. Because they, you know, they provide bare ground. You know, they're eating that grass to the ground and stepping everywhere. And all, all around their feeders is just dirt and yeah, mud. Yeah, he and is feeding the, cows. The ponds uh, don't have a lot of vegetation around them because they're – Walking to drink water, and the, mm-hmm. the doves don't like landing in thick stuff. They they, get they like that bare ground. <laughs> so it yeah, it's just a good natural spot. All right, Clay. Well, we sure appreciate you, you coming and and being a part of the podcast and sharing some of your wisdom with us. And where are you? Where's it you're going this weekend? And what are you doing? I'm going to Dallas, Texas, to Dallas Gun Club. They have another sanctioned police shoot there, and uh, I'm gonna try to win it. 
Hey. Well, good. Well, we'd love for the world champion Halise shooter or whatever it is you you would be called to be right here from the gamekeeper from offices. the bowels of Mossy Oak in the mall. No <laughs> so don't that. let us down. Okay? Well, I'm not there, but I'm trying. I'm trying my best. I'll let you know as soon as I get there, too. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, so uh, this, well, good luck this, out there. Is this the world championship you're going to? No, it's just Saints and Shoot. Well, I hope you bust enough you don't have to lie about them. Hey. Yeah, I, I just hope I get good enough that you'll sponsor me one day. <laughs> What are we, what pretty tight. What, <laughs> yeah. what, what would we sponsor you doing? <laughs> to enter. Oh, me. You mean like pay your entry fee? <laughs> oh, yeah, this stuff ain't cheap. No. Clay got, it's, it's not as bad as barrel racing, but it's pretty bad, I think. <laughs> <laughs> got to pay to play, Bobby. <laughs> I bet you do. All right. Well, we sure appreciate you being here. All right, good, good luck. Thanks, Clay. Thank you. Thanks, Clay. <laughs> When I first bought this farm a short time ago, every single field was growing up with brush eight and 10 feet high. But it went from that to this. And even though I planted biologic with very little moisture in the ground, I was really amazed at the results. I just sat in this field with my wife as she shot her very first deer. We could not be happier. We made a memory that will last a lifetime. All because of the effectiveness of the best food plot seed on the market. Biologic is better seed, pure and simple. Log on to plantbiologic.com to learn more. Hey, I'm Toxie Hayes. And I'm Cuz Strickland. You know, here at the Mossy Oak brand, a primary thing that we all believe in is the good that we do will last long after we're all gone, which is why we challenge everyone who loves the outdoors and the critters who call it home to participate in the second annual Mossy Oak Properties National Day of Conservation. That's right, Tox. It's Saturday, September the 26th. We challenge you to do something for conservation. Plant a tree, clean a stream. Hey, introduce somebody to the outdoors. We want everybody to know that if you love the outdoors, you're the tip of the spear and you're a part of this conservation effort. Absolutely. So the most important thing is, are you in? Do you accept the challenge? I accept it. You accept it. All right, everybody, welcome back. This will be the last segment. I think Lanny is starting to call this last segment. Habit Chat. Here we go. I yeah. like that. I like that, too. Habit it's got chat. a good ring to it. We've had that little name been thrown around here for a while. You know, we, so we'll just start calling this the Habit Chat section. So, with that said, when we think back on all the best dove shoots we've ever been on, what, mm. what kind of habitat was around those fields for you guys, Dudley? Well, for me... Um, and I, I think some of this may be a product of old school, poor farming practices, you know, so uh, fields that would have erosion on the edge of them and things like that, uh, just bare ground for doves to land on. Um, and they, they like to follow topography. So, you know, there may be a little drainage or like Clay was talking about earlier, uh, a hill or a ridge, Um one thing I've also noticed, and I think y'all have noticed all this too, is uh, they they have an affinity for dead trees. Mm-hmm. So uh, you may find a couple of ash trees or something that are on, unwanted on the edge of your field. You might can do some hack and squirt and uh, take out a couple of trees, leave them standing, but provide a place for doves to land. You know, they love power lines. Um Perching up there and checking out the situation. Oh, yeah. I've never thought about but, killing uh, the tree for that. You know, like we've, we've talked about sunflowers for doves. They absolutely love them. Mm-hmm. But if it's not a pretty clean field, if there's a whole bunch of weeds and grasses on the ground underneath them, they just don't seem to be as interested. You know, so you, you need to use those clear field sunflowers. Sure. And if you've got any kind of deer density, it's hard to grow sunflowers. Mm-hmm. It is. So you may have to fence them off. But, uh, yeah, that combination of seed with, with bare ground. They're, they don't like tall, thick fields and stuff like that. And I'll add something, too, that I'm with you on on, on the, the bare ground and the seed. And, of course, sunflowers are, are legendary, but we have so much um, browse pressure from deer. We don't get to behind them as much, but water. I mean, oh yeah, water is just so important. I don't – one of the best shoots I ever went on, one even planted, it was um, – 
Oh, what did y'all call it? It's that plant that grows on the hill at Macon. Willie, um, Willie Croton. Willie Croton uh, in a pasture with some bodock trees and a lake. And just unbelievable. Just stumbled up on it. Um, but... You know, our friends in Texas, I mean, they I think they actually shoot water holes. Yeah. I think that's yeah. part of uh, the way they do it down there. Yeah, we're, we're used to big fields, lots of people, but uh, a good natural dove site, an Man. old cow pasture, maybe little even point. Mm-hmm. by yourself, put a couple little decoys out. I mean, that's that's fun. Yeah, I used to do that all the time when I lived on an old farm outside of West Point early in my Mossy Oak career. You could just walk from there, you know, and I remember my dad talking about walking from the house shooting quail. I'd walk around, you know, the pastures, and, you know, you wouldn't kill a limit, but you'd kill, you know, five or six or seven, which was great as far as I was concerned. Make a meal. Make a meal, exactly. And work your dog, you know, do the whole thing there. Mm-hmm. So, Bob, what any other habitat stuff yeah, you can I mean, think of? You know, I just what, what you said, what you guys said just echoes the, my experiences. And I've been on a couple of places where guys have managed that, that – this might not be habitat by putting up, you know, dummy power lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they've improved that. the the wannabe factor for birds by doing that. I think that I think birds like to. I've heard it referred to as nooning. They like to. There's trees they like to sit in and just kind of watch the field and just kind of take it easy and relax. And then they they like to sit on those power lines and I I think they like to kind of decide where they're going to go feed and for, for some reason they just like doing that. Right. And, and what if, do they do at night? I mean, do they roost in roost trees? I've never even asked myself that question. But yeah, I think they do, and I think they, they they I think that morning doves have roost where they roost together. Right. If I'm not mistaken. Because I don't think you see them in the power lines. I mean, they leave those at dark and go to the trees. I think they're in pine trees. Pine in trees. pine thickets. Cause, yeah, because you always hear them mm-hmm. going in the woods. Oh, mm-hmm. you hear that? That wasn't a very good. That wasn't a very good dove call. I have to work on that. I'm usually so, really, I'm really, usually really precise with my bird noises, as y'all know. Here we go. They have a very unique sound that oh, you like can a, hear. <laughs> yeah, I've always assumed that it was their wings beating away. Yeah, so yeah. But when they get spooked, you hear it more. Yeah. it gets louder. Yeah, it's like they're flapping harder. Yeah, that's usually when you're when you're sitting down, you know, looking at your fingernails or something, and you hear that. <laughs> yeah, that dove's right over you and sees you or something and takes off. So bare ground, water, seed, you know, and, you know, like we've talked about, everybody's kind of on edge. Be, you know, sure you're legal. I I did a little research, you know, just trying to familiarize myself, you know, and they've got some very defined terms the the federal guys do about normal agricultural planning, post-harvest manipulation, everything else. The one thing I noticed in uh, the stuff I was freshening myself on was, they uh, reference to engage um, your cooperative state research, what we call the extension service around here, because those are the guys that can really help you define what normal agricultural practices are. But mm-hmm. And when in doubt, you can always call. Call your game warden. Yeah. Yeah. We, I've got ours on speed dial because, you know, I question <laughs> him. He's like, oh, he's calling me again about something. Yeah. Yeah. But it's important, you Should know, because you enjoy the hunt better, you know, because I've been, you know, you enjoy the hunt better when you know, you know, everything's, uh, right. everything's straight. Yeah, and, you know, there's times when you show up on a pay hunt or something and you don't know. I mean, and you, you're you just, you're, if you're there, you're liable. I have I have literally run out of some dove fields before. I mean, been invited. I ain't gonna lie, I stayed there till I got a limit, but I was the first to leave. <laughs> I was like, they're going to show up here eventually. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know that's and look, guys, we're 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 all about obeying the laws. Absolutely, hundred percent. So, so that not only means about making a legal dove field, but that also there's no point in shooting over the limit. No, no. I mean, you know, I know that's what everybody tries to get to, but you know, just like I was saying before, if you get a handful of doves, I mean, you know, consider that a success. If you get the limit, I mean, that's at the you know that's at the peak there. Yeah, and if you get to do it with your friends and your dog and part of your family and then you know get to enjoy that there's nothing more special than that it is a it is a real treat to get to go on a good dove shoot now a bad dove shoot that's a long afternoon right the worst is when you got that person across the field that hadn't really been taught all the rules of safety and mm-hmm. people I, shooting at low birds and getting peppered and maybe, maybe i've got a should. story about that yeah 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 that's one of my earliest learning experiences um, so, uh, when I was young, I probably, you know, of course I was raised hunting. 
I was very young. I think I had just started shooting. Uh, I graduated from the 410. It was the first time I was shooting a 20 gauge. Um, and had always been taught not, you know, not to shoot up a hill um, or, or be careful when I was on the hillside. We got taken to a, a dove hunt, and it was going to be the first time I was hunting by myself. And they put me out on the field, and sure enough, there's a, you know, a, a hill in front of me. And I'm like, Ugh. What do I do? I'm like, Dad. And he's like, you know, it's it's a tough situation. You just got to watch what you're doing, you know, and 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 be careful. And I was so focused on somebody coming over the hill, you know, in front of me, uh, and actually swung on a bird, got away from the crest of the hill, and was swinging behind me. And I didn't know my uncle had actually walked around behind me picking up a bird. Never saw him. Pulled the trigger. Uh, I don't even remember if I killed the bird I was shooting at, but I just remember him walking back up to me and he had pellets in his face. Oh my god! He was goodness. bleeding. He goes, "You shot me!" And I was like, <laughs> you know, immediately, pat, you know, freaked out. Uh, my dad came over there. Luckily, he, you know, got most of the pellets. I think he had five or six pellets in his face. Uh, pulled them out with a pocket knife. Mm. Uh, and you want to talk about, you know being overly precautious for the rest of my life with a shotgun that'll that'll really teach it to you so yeah anyways just fair warning you know everybody can make mistakes but uh, i got lucky you know not anybody dies it was ironic though a couple of years ago i talked to him he's like yeah you remember that time you shot me and i'm like yeah i'll never forget it uncle steve well i went and did an mri on my neck still got one in my neck and i was like oh, sorry but anyways, I know we laugh about it now, but um, that had to scare you. Oh man, you talk about I have been overly paranoid since then about uh, about gun safety. So uh, tough lesson to learn, but just to reinforce, you know, be safe out there. Uh, you know, watch where you're swinging, um, and just be sure you got a safe place to shoot. Communicate with the other yeah, hunters. Yeah, communicate. Low bird, low bird. That's what I need shoot. to tell them. You should have told me it was back there. <laughs> yeah. So I brought. We've got this little. Uh, every fall issue we we do is called Dove Hunt Etiquette, mm-hmm. and there's ten tips. And so I'll just kind of read the beginning of them, and y'all can add to them. But uh, the the first one is don't race. To be the to get to the best spot in the field. Don't be Riley. <laughs> <laughs> don't be a Riley. We're talking about you, buddy. Yeah, don't be a Riley. Yeah, don't hog the best spot. Yeah. So uh, the second one is uh, try to camouflage your spot the best you can to keep the birds to keep from flaring birds. Wear moss the field. There we go. That solves that. <laughs> Boom, one. done. We're moving on down the list. Yeah, take care to hide the vehicles. So. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Don't be the guy that's sitting in the back of his truck dove hunting. Yeah, bumping. Again, we got <laughs> Riley. Yeah. <laughs> so here, this is a this is a good one right here. Do not shoot low birds and help to warn other hunters by hollering low bird so that they know. Yeah. Because that's about that's the best way to teach other people that hey. That bird's too low. Don't be no question about it. Bird, so. uh, it. And space yourself safely from other hunters. Uh, make sure you don't kill birds that fall into the areas that that you can't that they can't possibly be retrieved. So if you don't have a dog, you really do need to be mindful of that. Where you're right. shooting, no doubt I mean, about if, it. If you've got eight foot tall Johnson grass behind you, yeah. don't pull the trigger. Don't pull the trigger. That's right. Um, and uh, this is one of this one of my pet peeves. Pick up your empty shells and trash. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't leave that behind. Um, and then if you kill your limit, move out so someone that hadn't can move in. Mm-hmm. I think that's real, real fair. Very then, respectful. Uh, uh, alert hunters uh, next to you as birds approach, and if uh, if you do that for them, you can expect them to do that for you. So hollering, hey, Dudley. That's one of my favorite things about dove hunting. Mary! Yeah. Hollering across the field. I love to holler at Dudley when there's not a dove. Uh, yeah, I was going to bring that up. That's one of the <laughs> Yeah, <fun. laughs> he does that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then last, uh, don't burn out the field. Always try to stop early so the remaining birds can manage play. your pressure. Yeah. And you know, if you take your dog, I know Vandy said something about that spaniel with that water bowl. Take your dog some water, yes. especially when it gets hot out there. You know, especially in Mississippi in the deep south. Um, you know, it, it makes them a lot better. Makes them hunt better. Makes them smell better, and everything else. And if it's really hot, you might consider not taking your dog That's exactly if you right. don't have any shade. Right. Morning, it, morning hunts are typically okay, right. but so, but that early September afternoon can be a it can be brutal. It really can, especially to your point in thick cover where they have to hunt. You know the seeds are going through there; it's getting in their senses. It's tough on them, um, but they're an incredible asset in the field. That's for sure. 
No, and they, you know what? I mean, there's, there's, they just make the experience so much better. Yeah. We should have Bill on next time and tell us, give us some preseason. Uh-oh, there's a dove in here. Sure is. I mean, a quail. <laughs> Bobby, you're supposed to silence your yeah, phone. I'm going to have to take your phone away. Yeah, you're, no, gonna, you're getting in the penalty box. This is habit chat. We're not supposed to be looking at our phones. Yeah, well, I got a guy here picking up some seeds. Hey, so. it is seed selling time. So, All right. you know, um, look, I get, I think we've probably covered about everything we wanted to cover. This is a, a subject that's near and dear to all of us. We love it so much, and it only happens for a, a few weeks out right. of the year, basically. And what did Vandy say, 29 days of countdown, something like that? That's so. right. That's right. So, look, I appreciate you guys being here. Yeah, and, uh, Lanny, you want to give out any websites for anybody? Uh, I mean, you know, always uh, – Native nurseries, plant bio. I mean, which ones you want? We got plenty of them. <laughs> yeah, well, Gamekeepers Club. Gamekeepers Club. And plant we are working on, uh, look, just for everybody out there who has had a experience with the Gamekeepers Club site, we are working frantically on that. We're looking forward to bringing you a new and improved Gamekeepers site soon. Yeah, and the, and the fall issue of Gamekeepers yeah. will be out about the 1st of September, about the time dove season comes in. That's exciting. One of these years, I'm going to put a dove on the front cover. I voted for it last year. You know, but I know deer sale. It's all about the horns sometimes. Yeah, it is, unfortunately. All right, guys. Well, it's been a good one, and uh, uh, we hope everybody enjoyed it, and thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast, and be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine, and don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.